1 John chapter 4, verse 12. Hope you begin to pray for the Man Up Conference. The church cannot survive well without, good, without men that love Jesus. Men are the leaders, naturally the leaders, designated leaders by God himself. And we just, we need to lead. Leading is not pushing. Leading is leading by example. And we men need to read our Bibles so that our wives and people around us will read their Bibles. We men need to be witnesses for Christ because we want to be examples. That's what leadership's about. So that others around us will be witnesses for Christ. In other words, we want to, we want to lead out. Take, take, take the forefront. And so pray for that conference. I think it's so important. I think it, to a point it's, it's in vitally important that, that we uh, have a few days where the Holy Spirit of God will come and help the men of Gospel Baptists to uh, take the position that God wants them to have. And, and they need to have it. Well, let's, tonight I want to talk about where God dwells. What a subject, where God dwells. Father, we pray that you'd come. Without you, this is meaningless. We need your Holy Spirit. You said we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Here we are. More than two for sure. So here we are. We believe you're in the midst. We're speaking out of the Word of God. We pray that you'd light a fire in our hearts. You give us an anointing, an understanding of what's being said, that we could help other people. The only the sole purpose is to please be pleasing in your sight, to promote the kingdom of God. Do a great mighty work tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. First John 4 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. The thought tonight is, where does God dwell? 1 John 3, 17, But whoso hate this world's good, or excuse me, this, whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So there's places where the love of God dwells, where God dwells, and there's places he won't dwell. 1 John 4, 15 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth, in him and he in God. And so where where does God dwell? Where does God dwell? Well, I believe God, there's a few places in the Bible that makes it clear where he dwells, and we're going to review those quickly tonight. Hopefully we can go away with a better understanding of this. God dwells in the area of thankfulness and gratefulness. A Christian who was in very difficult circumstances fell on his knees in despair to cry to God, when am I going to get out of these trials? But a slip of his tongue, instead of saying, when am I going to get out of these trials, he said, what am I going to get out of these trials? But that slip of the tongue makes all the difference. You change the when to what. It's just what the Lord wanted for this hard-pressed Christian. When he finally realized that, there was something more important in life than escaping trials. It is learning what our Heavenly Father wants us to gain from them. I guarantee you, 
you're going to go through trials. I guarantee it. Absolutely is so. A trial, well, let me, let me see. I have a, a little definition of a trial versus a temptation. A temptation appeals to the worst part of us with the wish that we would yield and do wrong. That's a temptation. A trial appeals to the better part of us with the desire that we would stand. Temptation says, do this pleasant thing and do not be hindered that is wrong. Trial says, do the right thing, the noble thing, and do not be hindered that it is painful. Temptation is a sweet, beguiling melody, breathing soft indulgence and relaxation of the soul. A trial, our appealing, appealing trumpet call to high achievements. There's quite a difference between temptation and trials. God sends trials on us so that he will make us better, not bitter. But which will you take when trials come your way? Because they will come your way. You cannot, you cannot. You, you may want to live on flowery beds of ease, but you'll not. You'll not be that way as a born-again Christian. You have these trials that come. Once a Christian realizes that God is good, and that is so important to get real deep in your soul, God is good. It's not a question, is God good? That's not a question. It's a statement of fact. God is good. No matter what the devil tries to tell you, God's good. Now, let me say this. It's hard to, it's hard to put your mind around that when you have one of your children run out in front of a car and get killed. It's hard to put your mind around that when one of your, your sister or brother gets murdered. It may be hard to get your mind around that when, when a missionary's wife gets raped on the field. But all those things I mentioned have happened multiple times. It's hard to put your mind around that, that God is good when your business collapses, though you've tithed and did offerings and gave to God, your business completely collapses and you go bankrupt and lose everything. But those are the times that God wants you to take stock on who you really are and what really matters in life and to trust Him when everything in your being says, don't. Who, who are you in the Lord? God is good. And that comes upon them. Uh, even when chastisement comes upon us for disobedience, it's for our betterment. Read Hebrews chapter 12, makes that clear. We, in, our, in some of our chastisement, have you, have you ever been chastised? You, if you haven't, I'm worried about you. Read chapter 12. If you haven't been chastised, you're, you're not a son. Everybody, everybody gets chastised. Everybody. And when God comes by and we're chastisement, by the way, chastisement doesn't seem to be pleasant while you're going through it. It's, it's painful. It's horrible. It's something you'd avoid if you could avoid it. But God says we need it. We bow our heads even while we're in pain, and we say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Ooh, that's where God dwells. When you 
lose something important to you. And when one of those things I mentioned happened to you and you can get on your knees and in sincerity, though with tears running down your face, with pain in your soul, you can say, God, I know you're good. And I know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And I know somehow, though I can't figure it out, I'm just going to faith it out. I believe you're good. Thank you. God's put me through a few things to help me understand this. I had migraines for 25 years. Bad migraines. I finally realized if I'm ever going to get rid of these migraines, i got to get what they're trying to teach me. Because I figured if I got what they were trying to teach me, God would relieve me. Because I got it. So it was years having them. I finally started to say when I get a bad migraine, I'd say, Lord God, and it's, trust me, it's real hard to say this. Have you all eaten something very cold and you get that pain, that horrible pain behind your eye? That's the same nerve a migraine is. Except the migraine pain don't go away like it does when you eat something cold. That's why people, when you get migraines, you throw up. Your body just begins to reject. I would get in some of those migraines and say, God, if this is what it takes for me to be a better Christian, thank you. And it kind of came out the first few times, came out slow, hard. Thank you. Then the next time it was a little easier. Thank you, Lord. And the next time it was a little easier. Next time. Thank you, Lord. And eventually God took them away from me. Gone. Just as mysteriously as they came, they mysteriously left. He gave me gout. Which if you've ever had gout, if you look it up, look it up and Google it. Oh, you 20-somethings always Google everything a preacher says. Go for it. Google it. Gout's the most painful form of arthritis. Yes, more painful than rheumatoid arthritis. The most painful form of arthritis. I've had gout where you couldn't put a sheet on your toe. You couldn't put a sheet on your big toe. You couldn't walk to the bathroom without agonizing pain. I finally realized after the migraine thing, I thought, well, I got this. I got this. So I started saying, God, thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> thank you. That's where God dwells. That's where God dwells. When you can say thank you because you trust him that he's good, and ultimately, even the painful things you're going through are somehow going to work together for good because you love God. It's not with physical eyes that you see that. It's with spiritual eyes you see that. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that he lets you see the things which are invisible and eternal. There was this Christian years ago who had been had rheumatoid arthritis at the age of 15. 30 years later, the rheumatoid arthritis had gotten so bad he was totally paralyzed. He could speak a little, and only one of his fingers could move, and he was totally blind. Now, folks, come on. That's bad. This disabled individual wrote for national magazines, 
authored books, and led a happy and influential life from his bed. Reminds me of Johnny a little bit. This was possible because after initial prayers brought, no, brought him no healing, and he sought healing from God, and there was nothing wrong with that, and God said no. He accepted his lot graciously and said, Well, Lord, if this is the size, if this is, if this, if, let me read it. If this is the size plot in life you staked out for me, let's you and me together show the world what you can grow in it. Down that path of humble acceptance of the will of God, this Christian achieved a happier and more useful life within the limitations that he had, very restricted circumstances than most people will ever have with excellent physical health. Why? That's where God dwells. That's where God dwells. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and, every, and everything give thanks. That may seem like such an easy, it's a pretty easy verse to memorize. Really. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. It seems like a pretty easy verse. It's a lot easier to memorize than it is to live. That little short verse, and everything, and everything, and everything, say it together, everything, and everything give thanks. Most of you know Fanny Crosby. She was a songwriter of old, been in heaven for a while. It's been purported that she wrote over 8,000 songs. Now, all those songs weren't good songs. They didn't make it, but the Church of Jesus Christ accepted a lot of her songs, put them in their hymn books, and sing them today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's Fanny Crosby. Just, just She didn't write the music. She wrote the lyrics. People that wrote music would come to her and say, I need lyrics for this music. I have the music, no lyrics. And so she'd say, well, I'll pray about it. And she came, and she was... A young girl, she had a very minor eye inflammation problem. A doctor misdiagnosed her and blinded her permanently. At, a, at, at, at I believe it says six weeks old. Fanny Crosby harbored no bitterness against the physician. In fact, she once said, and I quote, if I could meet him now, I would say thank you over and over again for making me blind. She felt that her blindness was a gift from God to help her write hymns that flowed from her pen that literally have influenced the world for Christ. According to those who knew her, Fanny Crosby, they said she, if she could have had treatment and given her sight, she would have refused it. That is where God dwells. That's where God dwells. This talented woman allowed her tragedy to make her better, not bitter. And that's where God dwells. God dwells in the valley of discipline and suffering. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. These, O God, thou will not despise. That's where God dwells. It's not in the mountaintop, often you'll find him. It's not in great victories. It's not in times of glory. It's not in, in the applause of the crowd. 
or when people are complimenting you and patting you on the back. It's often in times of trouble and times of trials where is where you find God. Most of you old people know Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi, coach. Vince Lombardi, legendary coach, genius, really. He was the only man to ever coach three consecutive world championship football teams in his day. He said, I've never, I quote, I've never known a man worth his salt who in the long run, deep down in his heart, did not appreciate the grind and the discipline. There is something in good men that truly yearns for and needs discipline. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chasing for the present time is joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. The word gymnazo, it means to exercise by it. Some of you go to the gym and you care about your body and you exercise your body, but you don't exercise your spirit. Your spirit is dying, weak, sissified, while your flesh is strong. You got muscles up here. I'm not against physical exercise, but I just tell you what the Bible says about it. It profits little. That doesn't mean don't do it. That just means that don't put too much emphasis on it. Put more emphasis on exercising your spirit, on growing your spirit. And you know how you grow the spirit, through the Word of God. I think of bus captains who give up their, many of their Saturdays and a lot of their Sundays to pick up kids for Jesus. That's where God dwells. I think of Miss Miley for many years, 25 years here at Gospel, happily teaching in our school, happily remaining single, giving her entire life to help boys and girls learn about Jesus. That's where God dwells. Those people who are reading the, their Bibles through in a year and do it year after year and purposing, purposing them, them to discipline themselves to make time to do it. Listen, we're all busy. You have no idea how busy we are or how busy we've been. But if you don't have time to read God's Word, you just don't have enough time. What I'm afraid will happen, if you don't have time to read God's Word, He's going to make time for you to read His Word when you're flat on your back. Don't bring God to discipline you further, man. Do it voluntarily. Hey, I don't want to be whipped into it. I want to be volunteering to it. I'm going to say, Lord, I know the Word of God's good. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to put it in my plate. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to read it. As my blood's going to flow biblene. The list of people who read their Bibles through year after year, purposing discipline themselves, I said, that's where God dwells. God dwells in obedience. Psalm 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Christianity is not flashy. You know, there's a group out there that want to make Christianity bombastic. and Woo, woo, woo. But what happens to them people after the service is over and they go out into their mundane jobs and their mundane life? Do they live for God there? Do they, do they seek God there when nobody's looking? 
God doesn't just want you to be a Christian on Sunday. He wants you to be a Christian Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way through your week and your life. That's where God dwells. Saul, and most of you know him from the Bible, he was a really a pretty amazing failure. Had everything going for him and failed. He thought God cared about sacrifice more than obedience. He misunderstood God. God cares more that you obey than sacrifice. He says in 1 Samuel 5, 15, 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I've seen people with money want to try to, want to, try to bribe God by, by giving a lot of money to church. Listen, no matter what you give to the church, God still wants you to obey on the basis level. You can't, you can't say, well, I gave a bunch of money, God, so I'm not going to. No, no, he wants you to obey on every level. That's where God dwells. There was a preacher down in Cuba. He was a professor also in Cuba before Castro got so bad. The Cuban government instructed him to either abandon his faith or quit teaching as a professor in the college. They decided to give him 15 days to make a decision. He said, I don't need 15 days. I don't even need 15 minutes. I'll not be back tomorrow. Several days later, in the middle of the night, they came and abducted him and imprisoned him in a Cuban concentration camp for over two years. He was so dedicated in sharing the gospel that they kept moving him from concentration camp to concentration camp because he kept witnessing so much and preaching so much in the camp. He was influencing the prisoners. They moved him 13 different times in two years to try to get him to stop it. Finally, he was told by Castro's government that he had 30 days to find $2,000 to get his family out of Cuba. 2000 bucks a lot of money, especially when we have no source for it. His wife and he began to pray. 30 days passed. They came up with $2,010. He was able to leave Cuba with $10 in his pocket and he went to Spain, and ever since he's been in Spain, he's been joyfully exclaiming that he is a missionary to Spain sent by Castro. <laughs> That's where God dwells. That's where God dwells. God dwells in thankfulness and gratefulness in the face of pain. God dwells a boot camp of discipline and trials. God dwells in the path of obedience in the face of opposition. That's where God dwells. Now there's two famous examples I have not brought up yet. You say, well, Brother Billy may be thinking ahead of me. What about the three Hebrew boys? Well, that's the one we most of the time use, don't we? The three Hebrew boys got to be where God dwells, but it was in the middle of the fire. Daniel got to be where God dwells, but it was in the midst of a lion's den with hungry lions on every side. Yeah, he got to be close to God. And he got to see the angel of God come, but it was in the midst of the lion's den or in the midst of the fire. And people say, God's in the midst of the fire. He'll be with you all the way home, people. Never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. How many times do you have to tell us that before we believe it? 
Well, you'll believe it because he'll put you in the fire and you'll see God. May God help us understand where God dwells. Our Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for the Spirit of God. Thank you for the Word of God. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd take these simple words I spoke tonight. You'd anoint them with our blessed Holy Spirit. We don't know what's ahead of us. We have no idea from day to day, minute to minute. Whatever it is, whatever trial you deem necessary in our lives, may, oh God, we have a spirit of thankfulness for it. Whatever discipline you've asked us to have, whatever pain comes with that discipline, help us to be a spirit of thankfulness. Lord God, whatever happens in our lives, may we just keep, keep trusting you that you're good. God is good all the time. Thank you for your sweet, sweet tenderness towards us. Some of us coming to the end of this journey called life, we look back and we see it. It becomes more clear what you've been doing. But thank you for waiting on that till we get old so we don't know when we're young, so that we could have a fair trial, an honest trial of trusting you. Father, and move in, move in this group tonight. Help us to trust you. Help us to seek you first above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.